You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Greg Company, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! Thanks for pressing play on this episode of the Two and Out CFL Podcast. I'm Travis Curra. He is Sheldon Jones. We just got to start off the show by uh, talking about the loss of the great Rich Stubler, 74 years old, (laughs) coached football for more than 50 years. And if anybody's been around the CFL for any amount of time, they know the name Rich Stubler. He's been in Calgary, Hamilton, Toronto, Edmonton, Montreal, NBC, a member of five Grey Cup winning teams. And most recently, he was actually in Toronto as uh, an assistant. So <laughs> a long, illustrious career, Rich Stubler leaving behind quite the legacy in the CFL, man. Yeah, and his defenses were always like super tough to play against. Everyone says the Stubler defense, like it yeah. was, it was like the thing before the Chris Jones defense, right? And he just he, all of his players, they seemed to want to run through a wall for him. So tough loss. Thoughts and condolences to the fans. Some of his concepts are still used in the CFL today. If you go back and listen to my chat with uh, Jed Roberts, a 1993 Grey Cup champion, a member of the Stubler defense that year. He says best coach he's ever played for, and he came up with some of those concepts that helped Edmonton limit Doug Flutie in Labor Day that year, (laughs) or at least the playoffs, and uh, ended up uh, going and winning a great cup title that year. It was a really cool perspective from him, and yes, condolences to his family. Like I said, Labor Day is here first. Do want to mention that uh, Canadian uh, football of all levels underway now, the CJFL and also U-Sports football. Now, first I want to mention Western winning 83-0. I see all sorts of talk on this, whether it's good or bad for the league or this really just exposes what York is doing to their football program. Either way, man, 83-0. That's not good for anybody. It's not, but it happens in football all the time. It happens in the, in the, the PJFL or CJFL, whatever it's called now. It happens in college football in the States all the time. Yeah, when there's that yeah. mismatch where you have a seeded team playing an unseeded team. So it, it happens. I'm sure it wasn't fun for... York. I'm sure it got kind of boring for Western too, but eh, it's football. They'll bounce back. Next time they won't put up 83 on them. I'm sure that, uh, the defense will remember that score. And, yeah. I guess when you get to that level, sometimes uh, you just get crushed or you do yeah. the crushing. Although a game that uh, I would prefer and I think you would prefer and I think people across Canada would prefer to talk about this even makes some ripples in the United States a little bit when they see what's going up there <laughs> north of the 49th. This is crazy. 
the Acadia Axemen and the Mount Allison Mounties. So Acadia wins, I, I think it was 15-13. When you yeah. see that, you're like, well, that's not exactly inspiring. But the last minute of the game, that is Canadian football and it absolute finest Mount Al or no uh, Acadia tried to kick that winning field goal with about 43 seconds to go off the upright and then that's when the fun really starts Sheldon <laughs> yeah because then you have Mount Allison goes two and out and then they punt it out and then Acadia punts it back and then we it's just crazy like it's on TikTok I'm sure most of our listeners have probably seen it go around the circles here but it that's that's Canadian rules at its finest. And yeah, cause they had to kick it out or that Rouge would have sent the game to overtime. Right. So just wacky. And then the biggest part is they kick it out. No yards. Yeah. So you get another track at the field goal and they they don't miss it the second time. <laughs> where, do, where have Ryder fans heard that before? I feel like on plays like that, I don't know. No yard should be, I don't know. Like when there's a whole yeah, like big kerfuffle, like <laughs> I agree. There's no player awareness at that point. It's yeah. gonna be like we need to give five yards, but but it's just it ha- like it, it's so rare. Uh yeah. so so rare. But when it happens, it's just another I, I'm sure there's lots of people who hate it and make thinks it makes us look stupid, but I think most of the, the true hardcore CFL fans and Canadian football fans just love to see that because it, it makes it uniquely Canadian, and that's what we love. Those are the end of the games we all live for, man. We all yeah. <laughs> live for that. Oh, yeah. Um, it's that time of the year when we find out where some former CFL guys or Canadian guys are going to be doing in the National Football League. And uh, Nathan Rourke has cleared waivers. He has signed a practice roster agreement with the Jacksonville Jaguars. From the beginning, I, I kind of thought that the Jags was a bit of a puzzling decision for a guy that I'd assume wants to play, compete to be a number two, or even be a number one if the chips fall into place. But with Trevor Lawrence as the guy in Jacksonville and them wanting uh, some experience at backup, it was a tough hill to climb for Rourke no matter what he did in the preseason. And it's something we see every single year. If you go undrafted, it, it honestly feels like the mountain becomes taller than Everest to make it into the National Football League, despite the performance that he was able to put on during training camp and uh, the preseason. We'll see, uh, hey, maybe some things happen and that he ends up getting on the field this year or next year. But he, he doesn't strike me as a guy that wants to stay on a practice roster forever. If those opportunities don't come then uh, we'll see what he decides to do with his career. But uh, I think I speak for a lot of people. We're all cheering for him, and we want to see him on the field anywhere. Yeah, I think it's it's tough, especially for fans of his, because you see what he did in preseason. But like you said, it's everyone who drafted that quarterback, everyone who you know scouted the free agent veteran that they want to bring in, they all are going to exhaust every option or else they look bad for getting a player in there that's not working out right you can't have this rookie kid from the cfl outshine a veteran but it it was interesting to see because there was some other spots where maybe a backup role could have been a little bit easier for him clear waivers yeah no because there was three i think three teams reached out 
but um, we'll we'll see. Because yeah, he did say uh, it was either to Naylor or to Farham that he he didn't want to go down there just to fill some practice roster role for yeah. years. Like he yeah. wants to play. So, yeah. uh, like everyone, we hope that it works out and we can see a Canadian starting in the NFL because that would be unreal. But whatever works out for him, I hope I hope he gets it. But if not, he has a league where he can thrive in for multiple years. We'd love to have him back up here. If he ever comes back north, what do you think that contract would be? Well, it's tough because I don't think it would be that much more than a regular starting quarterback because the Canadians don't count the ratio in the quarterback setting, right? So. I don't think there's really an, any incentive to drive up like the wages like you see on the O-line, for example, where the Canadian left tackle is a premium. You can find him. So I'm not certain, but he he had a hell of a first year starting in the league, even with that injury, right? So he, instantly he's probably the highest paid quarterback if he comes back. But I don't know if it's much more than, you know, the Zach Claros or that type of contract. Yeah, we saw Riley get over 700 in BC, and we saw what it did to the rest of the roster oh, and the struggles here. he had uh, because of, I think, the money he ended up getting. There's a lot of people saying, well, that's a soft cap. Give the kid a million. And I think if he did get a million, I'm just saying it would be, I think, good for the league in a way, like erasing a little bit of that uh perception that hey guys can make some pretty good money in Canada yeah. but if it handcuffs the rest of the roster that's also not good for anybody either um, but yeah. who knows who knows we'll see if he ever comes back uh, some offensive lineman news with CFL connections in the CFL uh, Carter O'Donnell has made the roster it looks like in Indianapolis uh, a draft pick for Edmonton I believe it was traded from Montreal to Edmonton so the Owls could move up in the draft. And then with the Indianapolis Colts, they've released uh, Dakota Shepley. And uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders fans will know that name. We'll see if he ends up coming back north. And then good news for Julian Good-Jones of uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. He's got a practice roster agreement there, formerly of the Calgary Stampeders. Obviously, a very good offensive lineman, so congrats to him. Let's see if he sticks with the Eagles. It's here, Sheldon. Labor Day weekend. When I hear that, when I say that, I can't help but smile. I can't help but get chills. It's just a special weekend. Back to school. I noticed some yellow on the leaves. It's still hot during the day, but it cools down at night. Yeah. It marks the turning of the seasons and some of the funnest you can have, f- most fun you can have in a CFL stadium, Labor Day weekend. Are you getting pumped up or what? Of course. Yeah, it's uh, the one game of the year where I don't usually have to work before because I take it off because my buddy's coming to town. <laughs> and uh, uh, No, I'm excited. Uh, it's- How many Labor Day games do you figure you've been to? Well, I'm 38, so I've been to 37. When you were one? Yeah, I had season tickets when I like I was born in March, and my my mom started taking me to the games that year. I think Labor Day that year was my first game. I'm, I'm not certain, old. but I know. Yeah, no, I 
if if those tickets were in my name, I'd be winning that prize at Mosaic Stadium <laughs> that they give out every game to. Right. <laughs> but no, yeah. I've, so it, it thirty seven, maybe thirty six, but yeah. I gotta know, like, what section at Taylor Field is six month old Sheldon Jones sitting in? Because that East Side, they get you crazy. Know what section it is? Were you in section twenty eight? <laughs> Mother of the year, Mrs. Yeah. Jones. <laughs> well, my mom had tickets with uh, her friend Kathy, and she's she's like a she was a teacher at Syast, uh, and so oh, okay, I don't know. She got the student deal, I guess, being a teacher as well, and so they were just the cheapest tickets in the stadium. So that's why they had those season tickets. I love that. Yeah, so I was yeah. Four-year-old Sheldon Jones in Section Twenty-Eight. You know, I like. I learned a lot there. Let's put it that way. I learned a lot. You knew all the words before you went to kindergarten, man. You were the one teaching the kids. Maybe. <laughs> uh, the Montreal Alouettes, home to the BC Lions. Here, the Lions are three and a half point favorites. It's the first time BC has played on Labor Day. Since 2015, so it's been a little while here. Now, both teams, I guess, kind of come limping into this game. We'll, we'll say Montreal, they've won four of their last five. Rough one against Winnipeg last week. But BC has lost three of their last four. And all of a sudden, things are changing a little bit, it seems, with the BC Lions. They had a rough one against the Tiger Cats last week. And traveling to Montreal, never an easy assignment from the team on the West Coast. It, it seems to be not a very easy assignment for a lot of teams because it's just it's, it's that Montreal nightlife. It can get you if you're a player. <laughs> uh, I think I think nowadays not as much as in the past, but uh, it seems like no, it, yeah. it's it's tough because yeah, like BC should be pretty pissed off because the last two games they were expected to win and and, yeah. and they're still expected to win in Montreal on like that's that's pretty interesting to me to be honest uh, but I think Vernon can can get it back here and I think Montreal looked terrible last week other than a couple pick sixes they, they looked bad so I think this is where we can see the real BC Lions and they can get a win back and hopefully for them, at least it'd be awesome if they lost but for a Ryder fan here. But uh, I, I think they get back on track, especially after getting humbled by Hamilton at home last week. Love the Iron Sheik reference. Rest in peace to Sheiky baby. Uh, the BC Lions last in rushing yards, second last in rushing attempts. And they've got the worst yards per carry average as well. And I guess this is why Vernon Adams throws as much as he does. Uh, but the Montreal Alouettes and the BC Lions, their defense, well, lately, I, the Lions defense, they've been still good, like not as dominant as... Uh, as earlier in the season, and when a team pitches two shutouts, I guess that will happen. They're, they're still the the least amount of points given up per game in the CFL. But they have to get that rushing attack 
rolling, and the, the offensive line just got bullied against the Tie Cats. They, obviously, they need more energy, and I just feel like, and and that was the theme after the game against the Tie Cats. Where was the energy? Where was the physical nature that you need to play with? And that was at home to find to try and rediscover that on the road. Probably a little bit uh, of a challenge here going to Montreal. So the Lions are going to need to show us what they're made of here. Uh, the Montreal Alouettes making some changes with their lineup. Herjie Mayala ended up getting released here. He did have a costly drop on a long, long play last week. Jason Moss said that wasn't the final straw. There was a lot of uh, circumstances surrounding Mayala getting released, but a talented Canadian player we've seen in Calgary didn't really live up to that in Montreal, but I do hope he gets a, uh, another opportunity around the CFL. That being said, maybe some veterans returning to the lineup on both sides of the ball. Greg Ellingson, who we haven't seen this year, has been a model of consistency at receiver in the Canadian Football League. Always has seemed like almost a lock for a thousand yards. Uh, ran into some injury issues even last year with uh, with Winnipeg, but the emergence of Dalton Schoen kind of made that not matter for the Bombers. But with Kayon Julian Grant injured, a very important part of the Alouette offense early in the year, Ellingson possibly coming back, practicing in full, that's a big addition for Cody in the Alouette's offense. It is, and it'll be interesting to see if he does play, if they can get on the same like wavelength as quickly because he's going to have a lot of rust to shake off. And I know that Kenny Lawler, when he returned this year, yeah. he, he didn't look rusty at all. So we can, we've known it or we know it can happen. Uh, and he's Mr. Liable. He's that target that Cody will need to look at on second down when it's second and long and he'll get that first down. Uh, or at least he did in the past. So very interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, the presence of uh, Greg Ellingson only herps, helps a touchdown tie. It helps the guy like uh, Austin Mack as well. So we'll see how early he gets involved in that offense. And Jason Moss saying last week against Winnipeg that the the goal was to have William Standback have two series and then Walter Fletcher have a series after that. Montreal, another team that needs to get the running game going. Um, They're not the worst in the league, but they do have less than five yards a carry. And with a talented guy like William Stanback, a guy that has had major success in the CFL, they haven't lived up to their potential on that side. So we'll see if they get that rolling this week. And Siante Evans may be making a return to the defensive side of the ball for the Alouettes, a group that has kind of been uh, a little bit off and on throughout the year, but lately it seems to be a little bit more good than bad, uh, that Alouettes defense. They're giving up the least yards per play on first down, and if they're able to keep those Lions in second and long situations, a team that has been struggling running the ball, uh, that bodes well for those Alouettes. And I don't know, Vernon Adams Jr. has been on the side where the air horns are on his side. But this time, 
they're not going to be so favorable to VA. No, and that's that is actually another another storyline in the game yeah. too because his his tenure in Montreal didn't end well. He, you know, he got chosen or Trevor Harris got chosen over him, uh, and he then had to get shown the door, and so. Maybe he has an axe to grind there. Maybe he wants to show out against his former team. I, I think with BC's struggles with the run, I think it could come down to Vernon Adams reigniting that. Like, have him do some some bootlegs. Have him do some draws. Get get the the offense rolling there, and then maybe they can set up some some running back plays. Yeah, we've seen VA uh, put too much of the pressure on his shoulders here, uh, but we'll yeah. see. Uh, how he's going to do going back to his old home in La Belle Provence. Now uh, we go to Sunday, another Labor Day weekend classic. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders home to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and the Bombers are seven-and-a-half-point favorites here. Can't really fault that line right now. The Bombers can clinch a playoff spot with a win, and they're on a four-game winning streak at Mosaic Stadium. However, I will add an asterisk to that because their last visit to Mosaic, well, it was a win over the Riders. But let's go back to November where they ended up falling to the Toronto Argonauts in the Grey Cup. Sorry, I just had to throw that out there. But <laughs> Zach Kolaris has never lost to the Riders as starting quarterback of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I will add, I guess, does that mean that Zach is undefeated in Labor Day matchups be- between the Bombers and the Riders because he's 1-0 as a rider starter with uh, <laughs> this <Yeah>. Labor Day <laughs> game. <laughs> yep. Now, oh, it could have been. Now, and I look at the past, and it seems like both teams had so much turnover in between Labor Day games. But now that Bomber team is seasoned, they know what they're getting into every Labor Day. Willie Jefferson has played on both sides. Zach Kalaros has played on both sides. Nick Dembski has played on both sides. There is no surprises for them anymore coming into Regina. A little bit different for the Riders. So much turnover, it seems, all the time. And now Jake Dolagala is going to be starting for the Riders, his first ever Labor Day Classic as starting quarterback. I feel like the pressure on a starting quarterback in Saskatchewan is a little bit different than any other team in any other position for the Riders. He's got Rider Nation on his side, but uh, he must be feeling that pressure just a little bit. I'm sure he is, but I hope he doesn't. Uh, Yeah. I want to remind our listeners and viewers of Rocky Butler. (laughs) Rocky Butler started Labor Day, and I don't remember what year it was, but and he destroyed the Bombers. So anything's possible. Uh, That was his first career start, though, so it can't be as similar as Jake here. But um, look, Jake played very well against BC, I think a lot better than most of us thought he would. And his receivers, especially Emilis, were just falling out. So anything can happen. Winnipeg has been susceptible to the big play. Uh, just as, as much as they've been giving the big play, they've been scoring the big play too. So usually these, these games against 
or Saskatchewan against Winnipeg turn out to be like a defensive struggle or just a yeah. kicking by the balls. Yeah. But I think this could be a high scoring whoever gets the ball last will win kind of game because these offenses look like they're going to have some, they could have some fun out there, some provide some fireworks. A few weeks ago, and, and that's an interesting part leading into this game, I don't think anybody thought the Riders really had a chance. No. But the way they showed up against the Lions with intensity, the, the the trenches, like the offensive line was the best they'd been all year. The best they've been, honestly, since COVID. <laughs> yeah. they, they were physical, intense. They looked really, really good. If that, Even Evan Johnson made a really good block. <laughs> if, if that same offensive line shows up on Sunday, it gives Jake Dolagala and the team a, a fighting chance here. And we know that the Rough Riders, they have actually some athletes on defense. And Zach has been throwing pick sixes lately. If he throws a couple of those, it's going to be how the Riders will follow that up because Montreal followed it up with nothing against the Bombers. If the Riders are able to keep the momentum going, keep Mosaic Stadium on their side, they could surprise people. There could be that Labor Day matchup, or magic, I should say. The Bombers, they've been able to silence that crowd a little far too often for Ryder fans uh, liking lately. But early on, get that crowd rocking. And uh, I, I really don't think that, that that shakes the Bombers at all. I, I think they they know it too much. Wow. They practice in it. But it'll be big for the Riders to keep that momentum going, coming off the bye. So they don't really have an excuse here to come out flat, Sheldon. No, and they... Like we always say, they are the best adjusting team in the CFL, bar none. Like, they can start terrible. They can end the game lights out, scoring four touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Uh, so it's it's going to be interesting. Like you said, uh, they the Riders need to get off to an amazing start. Like, like kickoff return for touchdown. Like they need to. The crowd needs to be in it, and they need to. Just, just dial it up to 10 and not take the foot off the gas because that's where Mosaic Stadium can be a very quiet place when the riders give up a big play. Very quiet. And if it's quiet, that just pumps the bombers up more, right? So they and they come in thinking they have this swagger like it's their it's their stadium, right? Other mm-hmm. than the Grey Cup. So it's time for that that old record we had for Labor Day between like 2000 and what 2006 to 17, where it was like 19 and one or whatever it was. We need to get back to that and just prove that it's our house again. This is the 78th home game in Rough Rider history on Labor Day weekend. The Riders are 37 and 20 in Labor Day games against the Bombers. Rough Rider historian Rob Vanstone put together an incredible history lesson on Labor Day weekend on Riderville.com. If you like the history of the Canadian Football League, you should check it out. Back in the 50s, the uh, 
Winnipeg and Saskatchewan did a home-and-home Labor Day weekend, a game on Friday and Monday. Can you imagine that now? (laughs) No. No. And I'm going to say this because it needs to be said. Rob Vanstone was the best signing the Riders have made in years. Yeah. Like, he, he is. He's, I love it. He's amazing. Yeah, and the Riders, are, it looks like they're pulling out the stops here to make it a fun Labor Day weekend. There's all sorts of music going on. The party in the park has a Labor Day game, a watermelon eating contest. If they would switch it, I was in a watermelon eating contest once. I can't do it anymore. Like, I, I feel sick looking at watermelon, so... If they switch it up, I'd take part. But Labor Day, I'm out. I am not in on that. Uh, Janarian Grant has been poking around practice. Doesn't look like he's participating, but doing sprints on the sideline. That ankle injury he suffered uh, back in July. So Bomber fans will be happy that uh, he'll be back, hopefully, in the next few weeks here. And Theadric Hansen was practicing uh, the global player for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but maybe the best global player in the CFL, suffered an Achilles injury. I believe it was last year on Labor Day. Could he he be making his return to the field on Sunday? Labor Day Monday, the Hamilton Tiger Cats home to the Toronto Argonauts where they're eight-point favorites here. Now, the the Tiger Cats are eight-point favorites, I should say. The Argos have won two of the last 11 on Labor Day. Now, they've won in 2022. They won in 2012, the Argos did. So that uh, ended in a great cup both of those years for the Argos. But you want to talk about dominance on Labor Day. The Ticats lead that series 36-14-1. (laughs) Now... There have been many times when a great Argos team goes into Hamilton and that Labor Day magic, magic I don't know, it, it supports the Ticats and they end up pulling out a win here. This is a big game for Hamilton because, Sheldon, look at the schedule here. They play the Argos on Monday and then they play Ottawa on Friday, who's coming off the bye. Like, how does this happen? Another wrinkle in this schedule this year, I know they they say they're trying to minimize this stuff, but yeah. It keeps happening. That seems keeps like a, happening. Yeah, a big opportunity for the Red Blacks, obviously, on Friday Night Football. But we got to talk about Monday, a big one for the Ticats, who look to follow up that effort in BC, where they bullied the Lions. On the line of scrimmage, I would say that the Argos are a bit tougher to bully on the line of scrimmage. But that is how the Ticats are going to have to win this game. Now, Taylor Powell, I thought he looked steady against the Lions, did what he needed to do in a win. He was pretty accurate. He looked confident. The Argo pass defense, they don't inspire much lately. They've got talent. They can force turnovers, but they are second worst in giving up pass yards, 306.4 yards a game. However, I just don't I, – I like Taylor Powell. I think he's on the right track. I don't know if the Ticats have that explosive big play ability to keep up with those Argos. I don't think so. Like, 
a few years ago, Duke Williams might have been that guy who could have done it, but it seems like he's not the he's not the same guy. He's more of a possession receiver now. He he's not like getting the still. he's not getting the fifty fifty balls, you know, fifty sixty yards downfield anymore. Um, but yeah, you're right. Uh, they need explosiveness, but them having success with Butler last week, hopefully. For the for their uh, sake, hopefully Toronto might bite on some of those play actions if they try it earlier in the game and see if they can get those DBs, you know, second guessing and go over top of them. Isn't that an interesting thing? We always look, I look at these stats and just see where these teams lie in a big picture for the full season. And the Lions have been fantastic against the run, but James mm-hmm. Butler got rolling against them. The Argos have a good rush defense themselves, second best in the CFL. 4.1 yards a carry they're giving up. But the Lions were good, and James Butler had success. So could he have Labor Day success against the Argos? And that might just be a key to the Ticats winning this one. It almost seems like as James Butler goes, the... The Ticats go, and it will be, I guess, the third game with Scott Milanovic calling the plays. You, you see he's going to yeah. probably install a few more plays, a few more plays here and there, and this is obviously a big one against those Toronto Argonauts. We've seen that sometimes Chad Kelly can turn the ball over. He did it uh, last week against the Stamps. The Stamps couldn't really take advantage of it, and they couldn't make enough plays to win that game. But <laughs> anything's possible after I watch that game, after I watch the Ticats beat the Lions, and then you add Labor Day into the mix. If the Ticats can beat the Argos on the line of scrimmage, force turnovers, and get James Butler going, that's obviously the key to winning here. But uh, <laughs> look. That's why they play the games, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about June. That is less than three months ago. And mm-hmm. when we looked at that game and going into the season, I think everyone had the Ticats as heavy favorites over the Toronto Argonauts. Yep. <laughs> and it was week two where the Argos beat the Ticats 32-14. And all of a sudden, okay, maybe Chad Kelly is good. <laughs> yeah. So, this has been the, yeah, just the bizarre, the most bizarre CFL season, but I'm here for it because it's been entertaining AF. Yeah. So I, I can't write him off anymore. I, I would not be shocked either way with what we see on Sunday. Maybe the ghosts of Angelo Mosca will get to Chad Kelly and the Argos, and uh, maybe it'll be some angels in the backfield uh, that will help the Ticats in this one. Some stuff you just can't measure, man, and uh, <laughs> that's what happens in the Canadian Football League. And I've heard Orlando Steinauer, they play film for the Ticats. Okay, why do we hate the Argos? I've lived in Canada for three months. Why do I hate them? And then all of a sudden, Labor Day Monday rolls around. (laughs) And it's like the Argos have been bullying them for five years of elementary school. And then it's that fight. Grade six outside the portables. Let's go. (laughs) I know that. 
by experience. Uh, <laughs> Not me. I was a good kid. <laughs> now we wrap up Labor Day weekend in Calgary at McMahon Stadium. The Stamps are five-point favorites against the Edmonton Elks. A few weeks ago, I would say that the the actually <laughs> Calgary's been struggling too. I don't think I, I, I would still say that they're deservedly the favorites in this one. They've won yeah. nine of the past ten on Labor Day, but the series is as close as it's ever been. Thirty wins, thirty losses, and one tie. That yeah. is the Labor Day series between these teams and it's going to be a blackout in Cowtown. They're asking fans to wear black. They've been wearing those black jerseys on Labor Day since 1994 and they released a video the jer- or the origin story of the black jersey and I don't know if you got a chance to watch it. It's really cool. Like they kept this secret they actually wore the red jerseys in warm-up, went to the locker room. And I remember that. Yeah. Came out wearing black, and it's like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were so mad that Edmonton beat them in the 93 Grey Cup playoffs that we're going to show them on Labor Day. <laughs> I am a sucker for a black alternate jersey. Uh, I always have. Love the riders. I know that's a hot take here for some reason, but <laughs> I liked them. Greatest jersey, the greatest jersey the riders have ever had. Like for some reason, they just played that. meaner. No, I okay. The retro's nice, but the, yeah. I'm just talking the way that they flipped that switch. Like back when, like Shante Peoples, uh, and of course now I can't remember any of the names, but. When Roy Shivers and Danny Barrett had them go crazy wearing those black jerseys, it was insane. Reggie Hunt, there's another guy. Yeah. But so I, got I a love Scott Cowboys Schultz Black jersey. Rider jersey. Nice. I'll be wearing That's... it Sunday at McMahon or Monday at McMahon Stadium. Okay, good. I like, don't wear it. In, don't wear that one for here because it's going to be way too hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So I, I, I love the black look. I, I hate Calgary's jerseys, to be honest. Like they just look like a popcorn box to me, and I just I won't ever not see it. But um, so I miss when they used to have those sweet chromatic helmets. Though. Those were pretty those cool. Were, ooh, best in the league, yeah. But back to the actual game, and not just the fashion choices. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will say there have been times when I go there as a Ryder fan, whether it's the playoffs or whatever it is, and the stamps come out in black, and it's like. All right. Yeah. I'm just going to go home. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, I don't know what it is, but their record's they incredible. Meaner, they play meaner in black jerseys. Every team does. Yeah. I swear. Yeah. It's just like they just, it gives some sort of aura over them and a cha- personality change. But so Trey Ford's going to have to deal with that. But yeah. I don't know if it's going to help him this year because. They're not the same Stampeders that they used to be, in my opinion. Are you are you saying we'll get to the pick'em? Are you, are you saying Edmonton's going to win? I'm saying there's a hell of a chance they win. <laughs> like since Trey Ford has been in there, they've been moving the ball on offense. Their defense has had time to actually rest, so they can stay in the game and. 
Jake Mayer, he had an excellent game last week against Toronto. Mm -hmm. But if you look at his whole season, and if you look at their record at home this season, there's there's a chance that the Elks could squeak this one out. And if they squeak this one out, I think they blow them out the next week at home. Now, if they can't pressure... Like last week, Dustin Crum had a lot of times throughout the game. He had lots of time yeah. uh, for the Red Blacks. Yeah. They couldn't really take advantage of it. But if they can't pressure Jake, then, well, and I know Jake has shown that sometimes he's not the best decision maker. Um, he's going to need to make the proper decisions, obviously, here on Labor Day. Edmonton can give up big plays. And mm-hmm. this is an opportunity for Calgary to get that running game going. The the Elks are just brutal against the run. 141 yards a game. Now the, the stamps just need to they need to get that rolling. And Kadeem Carey is back at practice. We haven't been able to consistently see him this year. So oh. if they're able to get him rolling, that'll only help Jake and only help the Stampeder offense. It could be another one of those things. Labor Day magic, man. Like it's almost like everybody's zero and zero going into Monday. And I think up until this point, Trey Ford has shown that the pressure doesn't bother him. Like <laughs> he is yeah. so impressive. There have been so many. Well, I shouldn't say so many, but several times where he makes a big long play. And the D lineman or the blitzer linebacker DB bounces off of him. Like he is so strong. He's hard to take down. He's so elusive. And if the, the pressure is not going to get to him, maybe he puts on a Labor Day show and then all of a sudden <laughs> those elks are on a real heater, man. Oh, yeah. Like he he has the biggest chip on his shoulder out of anyone in the league this year because of, you know, weeks of going by where every, every fan, every media member in Edmonton is saying, why, why aren't you playing Trey Ford? Why aren't you playing Trey Ford? And so that I'm sure just, just kept adding on there and adding on there. And when he finally gets to play, he's just like, this is why I should have been playing. So if he can, yeah, if he can get, again, it's it's the opposite of the Bombers and the Riders. They need to get a, a hot start in Calgary, take the crowd out of it. Mm-hmm. Because the crowd will be loud on Labor Day there. And then it, it, if the defense can make Jake Mayer make mistakes, I think it's a ball game. I think it's, it's they're going to roll with it. But Jake has shown if he has time last week against Toronto, he can put up 450 yards and four touchdowns. So mm-hmm. very interesting. It's like Jekyll and Hyde with him too. The Stamps have uh, given up the most touchdowns in the CFL. They're tied with the Ottawa Red Blacks at 30. Um, but the Elks have given up uh, the third or second most offensive touchdowns in the CFL. And that's a thing here too. The, the stamps, the return issues or coverage issues they've had this year. That's a completely different thing for that year. Although, <laughs> like, if Labor Day is the time that the Elks have a return touchdown, 
this whole season will just be. <laughs> I don't know what is happening anymore. I. Yeah. This is, I think, one of the most intriguing weekends in a long time. And yeah, it's always anything can happen on Labor Day. But this year, a lot of things have changed in the last two weeks. And uh, things look really, really interesting. As well, coming back to practice for the Stampeders is Tommy Lee Lewis. You want to talk about return touchdowns? I feel like that guy is on the edge of breaking one every single time mm-hmm. he touches the ball. And I I honestly, I feel if the Elks take one of these two against Calgary, it's considered a success for them. Yeah. But if they could win Labor Day, oh boy, look out. Like, <laughs> I've seen people say <laughs> every time that Trey Ford wins a game, it's actually bad for Chris Jones kind of makes him look silly. <laughs> it does, but then it's a win for for his yeah. record. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's six of one, half a dozen the other, but I this is going to be a great, great week of football. I I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm going to go over my fantasy lineup, uh, so get yours ready. This is what I have right now. I think it's going to change. <laughs> but I've got uh, the BC Lions defense against the Alouettes. Uh, Vernon Adams Jr., Levante Bellamy for the Stampeders. Now, if Kadeem Carey plays, I probably will have to take him out of the lineup. But I got Brady Oliveira, Keon Hatcher, Kenny Lawler, and Davaris Daniels. Some real CFL star power in my lineup, which in the past I've been able to have lots of stars in my lineup and have one of my worst weeks. So <laughs> that leaves me with exactly zero dollars remaining. That's why I don't right. want to change it. But what's your lineup yeah. looking like? Uh, I have the Argos defense, uh, Vernon Adams, who is my captain. Uh, I'm not. I still have Olette, but he's not my captain this week. Wow! Look at that change. Yeah. Well, I just I think I think Vernon's going to go off, and I have a better chance of doubling his score than Let's. And then I have uh, Brown from Edmonton for my other running back. I have Bagleton, uh, I have Dembski, and I have my flex value pick of Jareth Stearns. I like that. I like yeah. that. I've got Superman Fike of the Turf District podcast uh, in the CFL Podcast Fantasy League. And as for Pickham, I'm going all the road teams except for Calgary. What's your uh, Pickham looking like? I. Are you going with the green and white? No, I'm not. That's not where. I don't know who to pick between Edmonton and Calgary. But I have all the road teams. Screw it. Edmonton. All the road teams. Yes. (laughs) Edmonton's going to win. Wow. I love it. I love it. There you go. Labor Day weekend is here. Safe travels to wherever you're coming from and wherever you're going, or maybe you're enjoying that last summer-long weekend. Uh, Coach Phil from Coach Phil Reacts is going to be in Regina. He's in the state of Washington, right? Uh, I'm honestly not sure, but, yes, he's going to be in Regina. We have some 
I guess there's some events that are happening. Uh, he on Friday night they're uh, going to have a little supper for him at Bushwhackers, and then head to the Rams game. Uh, wow. I have my mom's birthday supper on Friday, but I think we're going to head to the Rams game and toss a few back with Phil. That's going to be exciting. And then on Saturday there's a a dinner and drinks kind of come and go at the Four Seasons, and wow. then. Yeah, we're, we're, Riderville's rolling out the red carpet for Coach Phil. That's the green carpet. Well, I want That's this. Right, green carpet, yeah. <laughs> hey, man. I got you. I got you. Don't worry. Stack then, burgers. I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah, and then we're going to – he said he's going to make an appearance at Wayne's World too, so hopefully he can come see us at Wayne's World. And at Rick's tailgate, we got everything going on. It's going to be wow. – I can't wait. This is my favorite weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've heard that there's even a contingent of fans from New York that go to Hamilton for the uh, Labor Day Classic. So safe travels uh, watching Canadian football this weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Catch me at Mosaic Stadium and McMahon Stadium. I will be very sleep-deprived on Monday, <laughs> but I'll yeah, talk you to you <laughs> at least. So say hi, don't be a stranger, and enjoy some CFL football this Labor Day. Stay healthy, stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.